Welcome to the Investing Tutor Podcast, the show for professionals looking to master the most up-to-date strategies needed to build wealth and provide a stable financial future. Here's your host, Dr. Hans Boateng. We're going to be bringing in Dr. Hans in a moment. He just sent me a DM that he is on his way. So some of the things that we're going to talk about tonight, we're going to break down what cryptocurrency is, how you use it, where you can buy it, how you can store it, um, the language, right? Like what are all these coins? What does this mean? Uh, We're going to talk about NFTs. What does it stand for? What the hell is it? Why should we care? Right? These are all questions that I personally have and I know you do too. So I am super excited to have this discussion and we're going to bring Dr. Hans in momentarily. Janice, uh, so excited to be here as well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I'm just singing your praises. Everybody already knows who you are. We, we know <laughs> that you are here to, you're on the same mission as me, right? Which is to just mm-hmm. educate and provide access to information so that folks can make an educated decision. And so tonight we're going to be talking all about crypto and NFT because I feel like that's such a new area for so many of us. And we're trying to understand like what we need to know, what is not important, so we can make really good decisions and not waste a lot of time like ruminating around all this new information that continues to pop up. Yes. Okay. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's uh, such an important uh, topic, right? Because often underrepresented groups, we, we come in last, let's call it mm. to the party. And, and I'm talking about the wealth building party. After everyone else uh, is done building tremendous wealth, we come in later because we don't have the knowledge, we don't have the information. And I'm not going to let this happen again. You know, in 2015, well, I started investing in 2011. But 2015, I kept saying, everyone needs to look into stocks. Everyone needs to look into stocks. Back then, it was so weird for you to tell someone look into stocks because the ideal kind of thing that you should do was, you know, just buy only an index and do nothing else, right? So it was weird talking about stocks in 2015, 2016. The same way it's weird right now talking about crypto. But guess what? Everyone is comfortable talking about stocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So we're so, progressing. We're moving to the next level. Absolutely. And so I have a ton of questions for you, Dr. Hans. And I want to treat this time that we have together sort of as like a rapid fire. So absolutely. we can just serve as much as possible. So let's go right into it. So can you tell us what is cryptocurrency even? Like, what are we talking about when we're using that word? See, my mind is racing in so many different (laughs) directions, right? Um, Cryptocurrency, I guess the simplest way to describe it is is an encrypted way for us to verify, let's call it tokens, right? One thing that most individuals don't understand is Money at the baseline, money is pretty much just, um, you know, an accounting system, right? There's an amount of money that's in circulation. X person, X number of people have this, X number of people have that. And essentially that's money. So if you go to a bank, a bank can have, you know, deposits, withdrawals. It's just all accounting. Similarly, crypto, which is powered by blockchain, 
that blockchain is simply an, let's call it an accounting system or even simpler, an Excel sheet that shows, okay, there's this amount of tokens or money in the system. Janice has five tokens. You know, Hans has two tokens. Then all the listeners have three tokens each. And there's no way for anyone to lie about the amount of tokens they have or who they, you know, transact with. Because every single transaction transaction is stored on that Excel sheet. And that Excel sheet is not in a centralized location. It is distributed all across the world. So now what we have is, you know, cryptocurrency, which, you know, are all of these different tokens, but let's focus in on, on Bitcoin. It is this digital currency, which is running on this Excel sheet. So then everyone knows at any point in time where this amount of, you know, Bitcoin is, who it's been transferred to. So it, it just gets rid of the need for a third party, like, you know, like a Visa, a MasterCard, a bank. And it allows us to transact with each other. Now, the fascinating thing about Bitcoin itself as a cryptocurrency is there's a fixed number of Bitcoin that will ever be in circulation. That number is 21 million. So Janice, what this means is if more people want to own Bitcoin, when there are only 21 million of them, the price has to increase because there, there just isn't enough for everyone, right? Everyone it's wants simple it. Simple supply and demand. Very simple supply and demand, right? Currently, about four, four to five billion people, let's just say four billion people, have access to the internet. If those four billion people would want to have access to, you know, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency to be able to transact globally. Well, they will need to buy and own some. Currently, about 200 million people have crypto wallets or have some exposure to Bitcoin. So for anyone who believes that this is something that billions of people would want to use, similar to how they use social media, right, then that demand is what's going to drive price. So I, I kind of give a broad definition by kind of explaining what it is. But if you wanted just like a one definition, cryptocurrency is a digital currency or a digital token that is protected by encryption and distributed leveraging a blockchain. Got it. Okay. So blockchain is the technology that's used to record these transactions. In yes, absolutely. Correct. Okay. Now, you know, everyone's familiar with like, traditional currency, right? It's typically backed by the government that is issuing this currency where like the American dollar has a certain value in the world because the US government has a certain value to the world. How do we trust cryptocurrency if no one owns it? Mm. So let's focus on Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the main decentralized cryptocurrency, meaning we don't know who created it, it but it's in existence, right? 
email. Well, we know, you know, the individuals who kind of created the protocol that allows email to run or the internet, which is another protocol. We don't understand how all of that works, but then we send an email, we send text messages, we leverage the internet. The internet allows us to be on a platform like Instagram right now, and we're able to communicate, right? Back in late 1990, we couldn't do this. So it evolved. Facebook is a company that leveraged the internet. And right now, Facebook is worth less than, a little less than $1 trillion, right? So then someone would look at, at Bitcoin and say, okay, how does Bitcoin have value? First and foremost, Bitcoin has value, just the very basic. Bitcoin has value because people are willing to exchange money for Bitcoin. Let's just keep it very simple. So that's why it has value. Now, why are people willing to exchange money for it? Because it's scarce. Well, how do we know it's scarce? It's because it is encoded. Like it's just code, data. I'm not a computer scientist, but the individuals who are software engineers, they can go into the Bitcoin ecosystem and look at the code and verify that only 21 million of these coins will ever be created. So that scarcity causes there it to have kind of like a value. Mm -hmm. Another thing that Bitcoin does is it requires individuals or if I should say miners, the people who want to create the Bitcoin, it forces them to use energy to create that Bitcoin. So then, you know, you are running electricity to generate the Bitcoin. Obviously you can use solar. There's so many different you know, forms of energy that you can use. The last time I checked, energy isn't free. Energy is of value, right? Energy is worth something. So then the value of the energy being used to create the Bitcoin or mine the Bitcoin in itself is kind of like the way to back that this thing has value. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. So that's okay. how Bitcoin has value. People want to exchange money for it. It is scarce and you need energy to be able to create it. Got it. Okay. So, you know, I'm very familiar with like, if I travel to the EU, I go to some currency exchange office and I can buy whatever the local currency is. What does that process look like for buying Bitcoin? It is a beautiful process. (laughs) What do I mean by that? We live in a world where you have to figure out, oh, what does, you know, $1, how much is $1 in in Ghana? Or how much is $1 in Mexico? How much is $1 in Europe? How much is $1 in Puerto Rico? Well, guess what, Janice? One Bitcoin is the same as one Bitcoin in Mexico, It's the same as one Bitcoin in Canada, Japan. So then Bitcoin is the standard and all of those other currencies have to convert into Bitcoin. So there's no Forex. There's no need for foreign exchange. That's why it makes Bitcoin the best digital currency or digital asset. Because if 
obviously we haven't gotten to the point where we're, we're having our services priced in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. But if we were, that is the best standard, right? Because it's then it's universal. You don't have to worry about, like, for example, if I was living in Ghana, right, the currency is going to be devalued by about 20% this year. You know, 10% would be that, hey, you know, the government is spending, you know, lot, a lot of money. The other 10% would add food. Right. So then that inflation is devaluing the currency. So then okay. I don't have to worry about any of that. If I have Bitcoin, right, it's not fixed with any particular country. I don't have to worry about, you know, inflation. I don't have to worry about, hey, is my money going to be worth more or less? And I give Ghana as an example. But in the past year and a half, the U.S. has printed about 25% more dollars just in the past year and a half than they have at any point in history. That's why real estate prices in terms of homes are up about 20%. Yeah. That's why you see food, uh, you know, commodity prices like lumber and, and others up, right? Food in, in, in malls, not only malls, but stores as well, yeah. uh, you know, higher. So, Thinking about Bitcoin or crypto specifically as a standard allows us to normalize those costs. Okay. Now, if I want to purchase it, do I just walk into a bank and be like, hi, can I buy some cryptocurrency or how does this work? <laughs> no, no, because if you wanted to purchase crypto, you are an early adopter, right? Okay. So then, Janice, in about five years or let's say four to five years, individuals could be able to walk into a bank to get access to, you know, Bitcoin. Right now, for the individuals who have it, you are so early. So then you have to find out where can I get access to this digital asset? So for the individuals listening, you know, if you're in the U.S., you can use um, Cash App. If you're anywhere in the world, including the U.S., you can use Coinbase. It's a phenomenal uh, you know, platform. Yeah. Another popular crypto you know, wallet or crypto service is, there are several, several of them. Kraken is, is another phenomenal one, right? Yeah. Okay. I've seen PayPal too. PayPal in the US, there's Robinhood, there's yeah. Gemini in the US. Okay. So many um, different avenues to be able to get crypto. Let me yeah. let me say this, Janice. I was listening to this conference in in New York. It's called the Salt Talks. It's a group of super rich hedge fund investors and and managers, right? And Ray Dalio was being interviewed, who is the most successful hedge fund investor in the world, and he was and while he was being interviewed, the individual turned to the crowd and was like, how many, what, per, what people here own some Bitcoin? Janice, I want you to guess what percentage of the audience do you think put up their hand that they own Bitcoin? What percent? 
These are all super wealthy individuals. Super I'm going to say 100%. 100%. Well, I was thinking, I was honestly thinking 30%. And, and the gentleman was like, wow, about 80% of you own Bitcoin. And I was shocked. I was literally <laughs> shocked. I, I really was. Because yeah. I was like, wow. Like, people in our community are looking at this asset and thinking, hey, you know, Bitcoin is volatile. Bitcoin is scary. Bitcoin is whatever, you know, fill in the blank. And 80% of the super rich individuals in this room own this asset, right? Yeah. Now, it doesn't come without risk. And I'm sure we'll talk about kind of like the risk associated with it. But it should show you all that there's something happening. And now the rich and wealthy are getting on board. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that because, like, you know, they these people have access to information that we maybe don't. Um, and there have discussions that we just we're not in those rooms. Um, I'm pretty sure they're meeting with these people who create these coins. They want to know because they're starting companies that, you know, so just follow the money. Right. That's, <laughs> that's one of your messages. Follow the money. Absolutely. It's pretty simple. So let's touch on that volatility. Right. Because I know for me. You know, I consider myself a very aggressive investor from a stock perspective. I'm not scared of market dips. I've been there, done that, seen it. Cryptocurrency is a whole other beast for me. And I just, like, don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> mm. I, I completely understand. I mean, you take on assets that you don't know who created it. You take the fact that it's super volatile. Let me flip that. The volatility is what you want, Janice, but it doesn't mean you're putting all of your money in it. Yeah. What do I mean by, by it? Volatility isn't bad. Volatility, people like when an investment is volatile to the upside, right? We because loved then, it in 2020. <laughs> because then you love when your investment can go up 30%, 40%, 50%. That's volatility. Yeah. But because it's moving up, we yeah. love it. Volatility to the downside happens to be something that we all hate, right? <laughs> For me, it doesn't even bother me. If I have a good investment and I understand the thesis behind that investment, right? Bitcoin is volatile and Bitcoin has to be volatile because we are so early. In 1997, when Amazon listed on the stock market, it was about $1.50 per share. Okay. <laughs> Today, Amazon, and I haven't checked Amazon in, in, in a few days, but I'm guessing it's about $3,000, give and take. Today, Amazon is $3,000. By definition, that's a very volatile investment, but it right. made a ton of people rich. It's the mm -hmm. same with Bitcoin. I mean, yeah. Bitcoin was less than $1 in 2010, less than a dollar. <laughs> that's not that, that long ago. That is mind blowing. Today, it's roughly about $41,000. Yeah. I mean, so Bitcoin has pretty much returned, you know, this math is just off the top of my head, almost 40,000 X growth yeah. to 3,000. 
here's Bitcoin. Bitcoin, on the <laughs> other hand, went from $1 to exactly in just 10 years. So that growth is what is providing the opportunity for individuals to be able to diversify their portfolio. Yeah. Now, what I mean by this is, Janice, if you live in the U.S., for people living in the, in the U.S., when you buy stock, your investments are denominated in dollars. So in essence, you are 100% exposed to only dollars in the U.S. economy as an investment strategy. Most people don't think that is risky, which is fine. But interestingly, right this moment, we're trying to figure out, are we going to fund the government? Are we going to increase the debt ceiling? That should be a sign that, whoa, do I own any investments that are not denominated in dollars? Because then it allows me to be able to diversify my portfolio. And while doing that, it gives me an opportunity for exponential growth. Let me, let me add this. Let's say an individual was investing 5% of their, of their assets into crypto. 5%, okay? Yeah. Well, what happens if that 5% goes to zero? I'm looking at worst case scenarios. Well, that person has lost 5% of, of their portfolio, right? Mm -hmm. The 5% goes to zero, okay? So then they have, what, 95% of their assets still there. Yeah. What if the 5% grows by 10x over the next five years? That'd be nice. <laughs> it, it would be very nice. All of a sudden, the 5% is worth 50%. Yeah. And you're probably regretting not investing more. <laughs> well. That, if you're me. That, <laughs> <laughs> that's where you have to manage your risk. But if I were you, I wouldn't be bothered I didn't invest more because you invested a percentage that you were comfortable if it went to zero. Yeah, that's the so important if, part. If you want to know what that percentage is for me, it is 50%. <laughs> so I'm comfortable if the 50% I've allocated to Bitcoin and Bitcoin mainly and Ethereum if the U.S. government, for whatever reason, didn't like Bitcoin, that's the greatest risk for Bitcoin. Bitcoin's mm -hmm. risk is not Bitcoin itself specifically, right? Yeah. It's not been the regulation. Asked. Exactly. How is the U.S. going to embrace this technology, right? So if the U.S. embraces the technology, great. If they don't, then I'm risking 50% of my portfolio. So mm -hmm. I look at it as, as an immigrant, as someone who, you know, came to the U.S. with literally close to nothing. This is the, this is the wager I'm willing to take. If it takes off, I mean, <laughs> 50%, you know that I'm not going to have any regrets. If it does not take off, I'm comfortable with the fact and I will not regret looking back and saying to myself, you know what? I gave myself a shot. 
Mm -hmm. right? So that's the way that I look at it. But for individuals listening, the reason I'm comfortable with 50 is because when I started, I started with about 5%. That 5% grew to 10. And seeing it go from 5 to 10% of my portfolio, I was comfortable increasing my exposure even higher to, let's say, about 20%. And then that 20% by itself grew to 40%. I, I didn't even do anything. <laughs> and, and over time, I added more. That's how I've gotten to, to 50, right? So I didn't start with 50. Okay. I started investing in Bitcoin in 2017, right? And we're like, what, 2021, so a good four years. And the thing about Bitcoin and crypto is the more you learn about it, the greater your conviction becomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've definitely found that. It's really what scares people about investing in anything is just the lack of understanding about what they're investing in. So I love that you bring that up. All right, we're right around our halfway mark, and we want to talk about NFTs next. So, I mean, if you want to learn more about cryptocurrency, please, please follow Dr. Han. I mean, this is what he does. So um, if you're not already checking out all his content, please do that. Okay, so let's move on to NFTs. First of all, what is, what is an NFT? What does it stand for? It stands for non-fungible token. So remember how I began describing crypto as a token? or yeah. like, you know, a digital asset. So it's, it's a type of crypto token. What is unique about an NFT is that token is special. It's unlike any other token on earth. So because of the fact that you can have a token that is unique, you know, brilliant people figured out that, wait, what if we were able to assign something to that token. So then what you're seeing now is they're assigning art, you know, artwork to it, or they're assigning music. In the future, they can assign homes. Like, you know, so the place that you're renting, Janice, and I love the fact that you're big on renting. I was a huge (laughs) renter till my wife, you know, dragged me into this house, which I love, by the way. (laughs) Um, So... Imagine homes or or rental properties. Well, let's specifically talk about homes. Imagine a home that is essentially a token, an NFT. If an individual wanted to buy the home, all they need to own is just that token. That's it. So then in the U.S., people might not see the value of that. But imagine you live in a developing country where you go buy land. There isn't a, a safe record of who owns the land and like four people show up and say, that's my land. Well, I have the token. I have the mm-hmm. NFT. So I want people to think about an NFT as simply a token, which is unique, special. No one can duplicate it because remember crypto is a, it's encrypted, right? So then it designates a person as the sole owner. Only you can choose to resell or hold that token forever right? Okay. And you can layer any asset on top of that token, essentially. Got it. And so NFTs use the same blockchain technology as cryptocurrency, right? So it's just that same technology being leveraged for another opportunity. Absolutely. So for those who are listening and following, essentially, it's the same spreadsheet, which is saying Janice owns this crypto token. And if Janice was to 
sell it to me, that everything is going to be public. And that's the beauty of it. Janice, we live in a world where we don't know what anyone is doing. If we're <laughs> to move on to a blockchain world, we're going to know everything. Like companies don't even need to report their earnings and profits. We're going to see it on the blockchain. It's going to be there. You cannot lie, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's an incredible future. Got it. Okay, so I've seen that, you know, I think Time Magazine recently, like, made all of their Time Magazine covers NFTs and, like, made millions of dollars selling them. So when I'm trying to visualize this, is it me simply, like, creating some sort of digital artwork, putting it on some marketplace, getting somebody to buy the rights to it? Is that what I'm doing when I'm, quote-unquote, like, creating and selling an NFT? Well... The the NFT itself is just the token, right? And you're learning. So it's not the what, art. Yeah. Well, the art is just being embedded onto the token. So you have the token, which is special and unique. And you're saying, if you own this token, then it means you own the art. If it's art that is attached to that that token. Got it. So okay. what Time Magazine, I'm guessing, was doing is, hey, we're going to sell you ownership to whatever artwork they were attaching to that. Got now, they, they can even include additional benefits to, to token holders. They can say, you know, we will have a community that will only be for token holders. Mm -hmm. and, and that's like an added value. So that if, if a person owns the token, they can be included in that community. They can host an event and say, only token holders can attend the event. So oh. then if you don't have that token or that NFT in your wallet, you won't be able to get into the event, right? So there's so many use cases of that. And another incredible use case is it creates a market where if you own the token or, or the artwork and someone else wants it, the person can say, hey, Janice, you bought this, NFT or this token or this artwork for, let's say, $1,000, I want to offer you $10,000 for the token. What do you think? And you can get to either accept or decline their offer. So I know you love multiple streams of income. Trust <laughs> me. Trust me in capital letters. If you take your time to just you know, look into NFTs, it's going to be your thing a thousand percent because every single day, someone is going to be offering you money for your NFTs. It's, it's That's quite interesting. It is the most fascinating thing on the planet. You know, we own a lot of physical things that we just buy and it sits around and it's worthless. Yeah. Every digital thing that you buy, assuming it's something that someone else could potentially want, people will offer you money for that thing. So all mm -hmm. of a sudden, you're taking the, let me just say, junk that we buy in the physical world, and now you're allocating a percentage of that money to buying digital goods or digital images or digital pictures or digital communities, Right? And individuals can offer you money to, to have that token. It's interesting. I almost feel like it's owning things in another realm. 
which is yes. the digital sphere. Absolutely. Take another planet. Mind boggling. Yes. Okay, so what is the marketplace for this? Like, where do we find these things? Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, the simple answer to it is the biggest marketplace for NFTs is called OpenSea. So just the word open and sea, right? Like so the ocean. S-E-O, yeah, excuse me, S-E-A, like the ocean, yeah. So OpenSea.io, that's the website, OpenSea.io. It has a, you know, a marketplace for NFT. So individuals will be able to go on there and kind of like explore all of the NFTs that are on OpenSea. What I would say is to buy or own an NFT, individuals need to educate themselves, right? Because you only want to buy things that are of value. Let me, let me talk about a recent project which I discovered and I was even sharing it with my followers. It's called Boss Beauties. Mm-hmm. So they created this artwork around women in you know, different races, but with the focus on the fact that they can be anything that they dream about. So they have artworks of women you know, as presidents, surgeons, you know, painters, chefs, it's like amazing. And it's so empowering for the owners. And they dropped this NFT to, you know, they have 10,000 tokens. So for the owners of this NFT, if you own it, you become a part of the Boss Beauties community. They have a book club where they all get together and they actually mail out books to token holders, so you you know everyone can kind of read it together. Mm-hmm. They host summits where they interview some of the top leaders and CEOs, so token holders can join in and participate and learn from these you know Fortune 500 CEOs and leaders. Plus, the founder of Boss Beauties has been working with Target in putting out merchandise. And she said that whenever they use a boss beauty that you own, the individual who owns that token gets 10% of all sales in the target. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> once again, I told you, Denise, you love multiple streams of income. You're going to love <laughs> NFTs. My brain is like <laughs> doing all kinds of stuff right now. <laughs> Somebody's like, I should sell the first episode of my podcast as an NFT. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could. You, you definitely could. Wow. I am so intrigued. Um, so what are we using uh, currency-wise to actually purchase this stuff? Is, are you using crypto? Phenomenal. Yeah, i Ethereum. Phenomenal question. You see, Janice, most people might be saying, well, not most, but the people who are hesitant about crypto saying it's, 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 you know, it's risky, X, Y, Z. Many of them don't realize that you need crypto to purchase these digital assets. So whether or not they realize it, eventually they will be purchasing crypto, (laughs) but the beneficiaries of that will be the people who are buying and holding because you will need crypto to to interact with NFTs, right? And, And Janice, let's say a person purchases one Ethereum which technically is called one ETH. 
Once a person takes that, buys that one Ethereum and then buys an NFT, which is worth one Ethereum, guess what? Technically, that person is still holding one Ethereum. It's just that they don't have their one Ethereum. They just have their artwork. So they are technically a crypto holder. holder. They just mm-hmm. don't realize it. So that kind of demand for crypto is going to force the value to go up over time. Got it. Very interesting. All right, we have some questions here in the Q&A bubble, so I am going to pull these up. All right. Um, Sure. How does the art get attached to the NFT? I'm assuming that's something in the blockchain. Yeah, so, I mean, that's like people who code on, you know, with crypto, they, they can easily do that. But interestingly enough, OpenSea allows an individual to literally, it's, it's almost like you're setting up a Facebook profile. You go on OpenSea, you click, you, you click create NFT, and they, they tell you, okay, where's the image? And you click the image, you can select the image that you want to, you can attach it, and then you can select the cryptocurrency that you want to create this NFT, which for those that don't know, is generally in, in Ethereum, as Janice had, had shared. And right there and there, you can create an NFT that, individuals can come and buy but typically the way that these projects are created is you need you know developers you need a marketing team and you're you're creating a batch of like you know a thousand or ten thousand and then individuals can connect their wallets to your website and then what's called mint it which it, it means to buy it so that process is a little bit drawn out OpenSea is trying to make it easier for individuals to be able to create and or buy NFTs. Got it. Okay. And the price is supply and demand based too, right? It's, I feel that like thinking of as a kid when people used to trade cards and there was like more exclusive ones and there was more like, you know, notable ones or even something like Banksy art, right? Like Banksy is so mysterious. Maybe we want to buy digital versions of his art. So is that basically how those prices get set? Yes, it is supply and demand. But the thing is, when a drop happens, a drop means that it's a brand new NFT that just dropped, right? So take, for example, the mistake that I did. Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, dropped an NFT in May. I procrastinated. He said that the NFT was one ETH. When he listed it, it was actually half of an Ethereum, so then half the price. Right now, as we speak, that exact same you know, NFT is worth about 20 times the value, and it's just you know, four months after, right? So, why, so back then, it was just you know, 0.5 ETH or 1 ETH. But the demand for that asset is what has increased the value to where it is today. Got it. Man, I feel like we need to do another one of these because there's just so much to talk about and there's so many great questions. I think the last thing that I'll ask is, you know, let's go back to like the overall technology for blockchain. Mm -hmm. What's your, you know, opinion on how this is going to shape how we do business uh, going forward? Because I feel like it's not just for crypto and it's not just for NFTs. I feel like it's technology that can be used for companies to, you know, streamline their ledger process. Um, I can see it being used to record 
home purchases, like how you go down to City Hall and you have to, have to fill out deeds and paperwork and stuff. Like I just, I feel like it's the future. So even if maybe you don't understand crypto or NFT and the value of those things, I feel like you should still investigate blockchain and see what the potential is for that technology. Yeah, um, Bitcoin is what created blockchain, right? Wall Street to say, oh, I don't believe in crypto, but I believe in blockchain. I don't think they understand what they are saying. Bitcoin made blockchain popular, right? Blockchain being the distributed ledger. You're asking about kind of like the future of this. It's, it's an incredible future. It is a future where someone somewhere in this world with a cell phone or a laptop can have access to a digital economy that they can sell something into. What do I mean by this? You know, I, I was born and raised in Ghana and my dream even at a young age was to come to the US, right? Why did I want to come to the US? Because the US had a, you know, all of the nice, you know, things, right? And the reason the US has all of the nice things is because the US economy has a ton of money flowing in the economy. Right now, that value is about $22 trillion on a year-to-year -year basis. So everyone wants to come to the US because of that monetary value. Well, what if people realize that, hey, I can you know, tap into an economy without even leaving where, where, where I live. And mm -hmm. that is what Bitcoin provides, an opportunity for anyone anywhere who plugs into that Bitcoin network to be able to use that technology to sell services, products to anyone anywhere in the world. So I think it's an absolutely incredible future. To your point, we are all going to have wallets. And on that wallet, right, the blockchain essentially, to the point that we allow it, will be able to record a lot of things, you know, our transactions. If we owe money, do we pay it back? If we do, well, the blockchain can calculate, you know, a, a credit score on there, right? It, it, we can have our entire life literally on the ledger and any and everyone will be able to see it. At the end of the day, it depends wow. on, I know, at the end of the day, it depends on what we as a society allow. Cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin, is taking the power away from governments and handing it back to us. What that means is that we can own something of value that literally no one can take away from us. Mm-hmm. We can move anywhere in this world and still have access to that asset. Yeah. And it is providing such an incredible amount of freedom to, to us. And it is providing a once in a lifetime opportunity to underrepresented groups to be able to, to, be able to invest in something that has such a phenomenal upside with the understanding that there's risk, I'll say this. Only rich and wealthy individuals who are in certain networks can choose to invest in Facebook when it's a new company or Apple when it's a new company or Coinbase when it's a new company. 
you know, underrepresented groups, minorities, immigrants, we don't get to invest in Facebook and Apple and PayPal. We don't. But with Bitcoin, because the creator wanted it to be a fair opportunity for any and everyone, and because it's considered a commodity, everyone has access to it. It is one of the greatest opportunities of our lifetime. I've never seen anything like this. I just want individuals to understand the opportunity presented to them. Do not disregard the downside risk and do what you feel you're comfortable with. So for me, I don't hate anyone who isn't into, into crypto or you know, doesn't own crypto. But if the U.S. does not stop this technology, the individuals who own this asset early are going to be some of the richest individuals over the next decade. I believe you. I mean, um, you know, the Internet was a crazy concept back in the day, and now we can't live without it. So yes. it sometimes takes that vision of trying to see what others don't so mm. that you can be ahead of the curve. Absolutely. Denise, it was so, so great chatting with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. This is such an amazing conversation. We're going to have to have you back. I know there's so many more questions for folks, but in the meantime, I ask you, please follow Dr. Hans at The Investing Tutor. Check out his podcast. Yours truly might have been on there. <laughs> and um, he's also been on our podcast, so check it, check out that as well. And until next time, have a great night, everybody. Have Thank a great you. night, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.